Imagine you are at a club. Everyone is having a good time. Music is blaring, lights are flashing. There's a group of women celebrating something in the corner booth over there. There's a group of frat boys at one end of the bar just blowing off steam. And finally, there's a lot of people looking to mate. But no one person goes about it in the same way. On one hand, there are those males who put on flashy clothes and dance for females' attention. On the other, you got a guy who relies on a wingman to help him look his best. And finally, you have this proper couple sizing each other up with an elegant attention-grabbing dance. But what if they weren't people? What if this hypothetical club was actually full of, let's say, birds? Hello, everyone. My name is Savannah Veal. I'm Kira Marsh. And I'm Timber Reedy. And this is Winging It Season 2, Birds of Quarantine. Today we'll be talking about mating rituals. More specifically, we will be discussing three hand-picked interesting mating rituals, how they evolved, and how they all somehow tie together. There are the male dancers, or the 12 wire birds of paradise, who, on makeshift poles, gyrate their special tail feathers in the face of females. There are the wingman reliant, or wild turkeys, who display with subordinate males to make them look better, with seemingly no benefit to the helper. And finally, there's the elegant couple, the monogamous red crown cranes, who perform a beautiful, specific dance together while courting. Welcome to Club Feather. First up, the performing 12 Wired Birds of Paradise. Timber, why don't you give us a little information about the bird? Why certainly. First off, just like any dancing king, you have to have style. And this bird clearly has some. His rump and underbelly are yellow. His wings are black and purple. His eyes are red. And even the inside of his mouth is a shade of turquoise. What makes him unique, however, is his tail. When looking at it, you would never expect it to be a tail at all. It looks just like, well, a bunch of wires coming out of its hindquarters. Twelve of them, to be exact. Is that why they're called the Twelve-Wired Bird of Paradise? Yeah, but that's not even the most interesting part. They use the special tail feathers to perform a dance to attract a female. Lots of birds dance, though. Yes, but this dance is special. See, what they'll usually do is find a slender old tree trunk. They'll clean it in the surrounding area of extra leaves, twigs, sticks, anything. Then, when they know a female is watching, they'll begin to gyrate on the tree stump, trying to get her to join. Once she does, he'll brush his tail feathers in her face, seducing her oh so effectively. So they're like a human equivalent of like an exotic dancer? Uh, you could think about it that way, yes, but uh, let's not look too deeply into that. The dance is performed by the male of the species, and it actually helps the female size up the male for mating. Do the females like having feathers thrown back in their face? Um, it appears to be that way, yes. It is believed that they prefer the physical contact. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and I find it so interesting because there's obviously no benefit in having a tail like this. I mean, it can't help the bird fly or steer at all, so it just seems to be a weird adaptation they have. I've actually seen a clip of this, and it's kind of funny how different this mating behavior is. So why has it evolved this way? It's solely involved with sexual selection. 
which is basically a trait that's favored by the opposite sex for some reason or another, which helps decide a mating. For example, in the birds of paradise, the reason they are colored the way they are, the reason their tails are shaped the way they are, the reason they sound the way that they sound, etc., it all has to do with a female's preference. Unfortunately, this has resulted in traits becoming overly extreme in some cases, causing the original benefit of the characteristic to be lost and even become a detriment to the male. For our birds of paradise, the only reason they have these flashy characteristics now is to attract a mate. As for everyday life goes, it's actually made it a lot easier for them to be spotted by predators. So if they're more likely to be eaten, why is this even still around? Well, it follows the logic that if one male is able to successfully seduce a female, so will their sons. This will allow the female to increase her reproductive success, and for her sons, they will be able to have a lot more offspring. This is better known as the sexy son hypothesis. I see. So what made this trait originally occur? Um, I wasn't able to find too much about that. Uh, but originally the dancing came from an ancestral background. Many birds of paradise also dance on perches, branches, stage, etc., whatever. It's all a common ancestral connection in their species. Despite the fact that the birds of paradise have become so distinctive in their looks, this seems to be the one thing they haven't changed too much yet. But let's move on. Next on the roster, the wild turkey and their wingmen. What kind of information do you have on this topic, Kira? Okay, well, first let me describe what happens during the display. You've likely seen a picture of a male turkey displaying, or at least doing what he does when he displays. Basically, they puff out all their feathers all over their body to look big. They fan out their 18 tail feathers and drag their wings on the ground in an action known as strutting. They typically take a couple steps to make a huff and deep drumming sound. They can even change the color of their face by controlling their blood vessels. Overall, their appearance can range from simple to ornate, though nothing too crazy like what happened with the bird of paradise and runaway selection. Essentially, this gives the female actual information about the health of the male, fitting the good genes hypothesis of sexual selection. Meaning the things the female used to choose a mate has directly to do with their ability to pass on good genes to their offspring? Yes, but that's not the interesting part. Turkeys perform lecking, which you may be familiar with. Isn't that when there are just a bunch of males displaying at once and females shop and choose one? Correct. Lecking typically benefits everyone, as all the males look better to the female when around other males. Though, typically more dominant males are in the center, and typically the ones that are in the center get to mate the most. So where does the wingman come in? Right. That is where it gets less intuitive. Turkeys are quite odd because they don't just perform lecking, an already rare behavior in birds. But within the lecking, there are often coalitions of two to four males displaying together. Unlike in lecking, however, the subordinate males get absolutely no play. Wait, 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 wait. None at all. More often than not, yes. A study that I looked at found the dominant males in a coalition, or are males with wingmen, had an average around 50 offspring and 13 matings during the five-year course of the experiment. Turkeys flying solo only had around 17 offspring and seven matings, and subordinate males, our wingmen, had zero. 
These were all statistically different from one another. So why be a subordinate in a coalition at all? Were they forced? No, it's a choice. You see, the interesting thing about these subordinate coalition males is that they were always more related to the dominant males than the ones randomly drawn from the rest of the population. They had an average coefficient of relatedness of 0.42, which, if you don't know, means they share on average 42% of their genes. For comparison, you would share around 50% of your genes with your parents or full sibling, but only 25% with half-siblings and grandparents. So it's like family comes first. Well, there isn't really a conscious, let me help my family member because I love them type of thing going on, but it is sort of like that and has evolved the same way as some other human behaviors. The explanation to coalitions is the same to why you are probably more likely to risk your life for your sister rather than a stranger. And what is that? Kin selection. More specifically, Hamilton's rule. Basically, if the benefit of the turkey helping a related turkey outweighs the cost of not going on their own, turkeys like these will evolve helping subordinate behavior. And this helped you in the study, as the theoretical genes passed on to the offspring that the subordinate males never had because they were helping was less than the overall average percent of their genes that were indirectly passed on to the next generation through the matings of the dominant related male. So going back to your sister example, it's like when you risk your life for your sister, even though you'll never have kids of your own, some of your genes will still be passed on through the kids your sister can now have? Correct. I find this so interesting because we typically don't think of animals having this kind of risk-taking for family type of behavior. Yeah, it sounds complex compared to what we normally think of when discussing animal mating behavior. Wow, so the wingman is like their brother and they get personal benefits to helping? Yeah. But I want to hear about your bird, Savannah. A monogamous couple dancing together also doesn't seem typical. Of course. So what did you find out about our dancing couple, the red crown crane? What I found about the red crown crane is that it's very interesting, to say the least. This Japanese crane is white with black tail feathers and a red crown on top of its head. It and other cranes are well known for their mating ritual, in which both the female and male dance to impress and bond with its potential or actual mate, who in this case is their dance partner. This is done with a vast array of wing flaps, noises, foot movements, and leaping. It's also very loud with both the males and females calling at the same time. But more spectacularly, they're a monogamous species meaning they select one mate partner for their life. Oftentimes, this mate is actually their childhood sweetheart. In this case, meaning they start associating before they're actually sexually mature, allowing them to achieve some dominant status within their larger group. One study found it to be the case 62% of the time. Additionally, the process courting can last from 10 months to two years. Aw, that's kind of sweet. Yeah, but unfortunately, like we see in human relationships, it doesn't always work out. If one crane dies, it will find another mate and then mate with that crane for life. In some cases, there's a pseudo-divorce between the cranes. And based on the previously mentioned study, this can end in both partners finding a new mate, or just the female. But why are they monogamous? Most animals I've learned about do not, quote-unquote, commit like this, especially the males, as multiple mating helps them increase their reproductive success. I mean, my turkeys, for example, had multiply mating males, and though I didn't mention it, sometimes multiply mating females as well. Good question, Kira. 
They're monogamous based on they essentially want their genes to be passed on to the next generation. If cranes do not mate, their genes usually die off. This is likely because it takes two parents to raise a small brood, defend their territory, and provide, which follows the pair bonding hypothesis in biology. Both the male and female incubate the egg and build the nest. They only lay two eggs per year, usually only with one of the offspring surviving. This is part of why the species is actually endangered. Wow. I'm sure everyone in Club Feather is staring at this couple. It all sounds so beautiful, yet kind of sad. Agreed, but temper. We're almost out of time, so why don't you take it away and summarize the topics discussed here today? Sure thing. So today we have learned about a colorful gyrating bird, a not-so-smooth wingman-needing big boy, and a dance between two elegant lovers. It's interesting to see how different ways nature evolves to accomplish essentially the same thing, passing on your genes to the next generation. It's important to remember that not one mating behavior is superior to another. Each is specifically crafted for its own species based on genes, parental care, resources, environmental conditions, and territory, just to name a few. Additionally, although our birds go about obtaining a mate in many different ways, there are a few things they all have in common. The males must always prove their worth. Some of the traits have evolved in order to impress the opposite sex, and females always have a say. But I'm sure if we continued our observations, we could find a few birds who would be the exception to the rules that our birds follow. I mean, we might as well, right? All our birds have headed home at this point. Or maybe we should head home and research there instead. Thank you for listening. I'm Savannah Veal. I'm Kira Marsh. And I'm Tim Reedy. And this has been Club Feather.